We're live, we're live. <laughs> so we are live. And today I've got Hannah Forbes and Hannah Forbes is a crowdfunding expert. We also co-host a room together on Clubhouse just after this. So it's amazing to have Hannah here today. We're going to talk about all things crowdfunding. There's some really exciting things going on in the industry literally today or in the last few days. So we're going to chat about that too. Hannah, amazing to have you here. Please do introduce yourself. Great. Yeah, thanks, Emmy. So lovely to be here. Um, I've watched many of these LinkedIn lives and they're all great. So hopefully I can keep up with the standard. Um, so I'm the founder of the, the Funding Crowd and we help businesses raise on crowdfunding sites like Crowdcube and Cedars. Um, but personally, I do quite a lot of research on crowdfunding at the Cambridge Centre of Alternative Finance. And I'm just finishing off my PhD in crowdfunding. Um, and in general, I just think it's a really exciting model and um, a big iteration in the, the startup space. Um, and I love talking about crowdfunding and educating on crowdfunding. And you are 100% successful, which I think is incredible, isn't it? Like every single campaign you've worked on with your clients has been a success. I don't think there's many people that could say they've had 100% success. I think that's amazing. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I obviously missed that crucial part of my pitch. Um, so, so thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, it's uh, so run over 50 campaigns and all of them have been successful. So if you want to have a successful campaign, go to Hannah. Um, and actually, Hannah's helping some of my clients with their campaign. So I know they're in safe hands. So Hannah, before we crack on with the questions that we were actually planning to talk about, um, we were just having a quick catch up and there's some quite exciting stuff going on in, in the crowdfunding industry. Do you want to talk us through that and what that means or what, what your take is on it? Yeah, sure. So the big news that was announced in October last year was that Crowdcube and Cedars wanted to merge the two biggest equity crowdfunding sites in the UK. And um, approximately 90% of the market is made up by these two platforms. So very, very big change. But as a consequence of that, the CMA got involved to um, make sure that there wouldn't be an issue with competition. And yesterday they announced that they believe there would be an issue and them merging wouldn't be good for customers and uh, founders and investors. So they decided to provisionally block it. And then about 20 minutes ago, and the next update was that Cedars have, um, while there's, these findings are provisional, although the likelihood is that they, it would have been rejected, right. Cedars have decided to not pursue the process anymore and have terminated um, the merger, and they've now announced a funding round. So I'm sure we'll be hearing more from Crowdcube in another announcement. They did their kind of initial statements, which were mostly quite positive. Um, but yeah, it's there's going to be lots of news coming out about it and public perceptions and, and different things are going to be uh, rapidly changing, I think, over the next week. So that's interesting. I mean, if 90% of the market would have been looked after by both of them and there was no other options, then for me, that feels like that is a bit of a monopoly. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Or Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it's um, there are, in, in terms of the startup investing space as a whole, and this was Crowdcube and Cedars's argument, is that there are lots of other options out there. There's VC firms, there's um, there's Angel's Den, which is a, a kind of a, a crowdfunding platform where the ticket size is slightly higher. So obviously this in Crowdcube is 10, 10, 100 pounds. On Angel's Den, it's a thousand pounds. So there, there were, were other options out there. And obviously as part of the startup ecosystem in general, it's a very small percentage of deal flow in the UK. Um, but yes, in terms of um, allowing retail investors to invest in um, private businesses, Crowdcube and Cedars would have essentially been a monopoly in that in that area. So um, I think because of that reason, the CMA decided to block it. Mm. So what percentage of investments do you know? I don't know if you know this question, so I'm going to ask you, so maybe you won't. But what percentage of investments go through something like um, Cedars and Crowdcube? Because you said it's just actually, that's actually quite a small amount and a lot of it's going through VCs and other networks. Do you know what that percentage is? 
Um, it's quite hard to tell because um, you're you're aware of this because we've discussed it in the past. Because investment, um, it's not just retail investment that moves through CrowdCube and Cedars. It's also large angels lead investment is presented on CrowdCube and Cedars. So their overall funding figures also includes those lead investments. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't have that specific kind of how much investment do CrowdCube and Cedars facilitate beyond lead investment. I'm not sure that figure exists, but if it does, I unfortunately don't don't know the up to date figure. And, and that's a really good point that you make, which maybe not everyone knows, is that when you do a crowdfunding campaign, you've got to bring some funding with you, haven't you, through a lead investor? I mean, it, I'm pretty sure that's the case, isn't it? You can't just go live with no backing or no funding. So you have to have already some people that have committed to put budget your way. Yeah, absolutely. So in general, the how platform investors, so these are people that are just scrolling through Crowdcube and Cedars and organically invest, and then they find an opportunity and they invest. That form of investment, which I call platform investment, is quite unpredictable because something might come out in the news, um, a, a similar uh, a competitor might launch on the platform. Um, it, it's hard to convert those people in general, and it could vary from like you know, 50,000 to 300,000. It, it's very difficult to tell um, what you're going to get from that side. So um, CrowdCube and Cedars have kind of built this into their model as well. They don't they don't um, launch you without any kind of support. They don't launch you if they think you're going to fail. So they, the whole process is really staggered now. And it starts with bringing about 30% lead investment. Then there's a pre-registration phase where you, you put out kind of an expression of interest to your community and see if people are interested in investing. Then you go privately live, and that's when you get all your community people in. And then it's only when you're looking at kind of 60 to 70%, then you actually go public live on the campaign. Um, and some people find that process frustrating, but I think it's also ultimately needed to ensure that you're not staking kind of your public reputation on a campaign that has no chance of succeeding. Um, and it allows you to actually break up the whole preparation process in a, um, in a way that gives you lots of information as you go along. I love that. Yeah, so I can see that it takes a bit longer, but actually there's a total purpose as to why there are those steps. And mm. once you're sort of live to the public, you're actually quite a long way, quite a long way along that journey and you're much mm -hmm. more likely to be successful. Anyway, yeah, I wanted absolutely. to talk to you about what does the perfect crowdfunding campaign look like, apart from obviously overfunding by a long way and coming out with you know, how do um, founders set themselves up for success and what does that perfect campaign look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, first of all, it's uh, a perfect campaign is probably built on the foundation that you're using crowdfunding as um, to kind of top up your round, to, to bring in your community, to unlock small tickets within your community. So that's definitely kind of the first big thing. But then in terms of um, if I'm looking through Crowdcube and Cedars, what looks like from an external perspective, a perfect campaign to me comes down to a few things. So firstly, they have a lot of investors. I think if you have a lot of investors, it means that you're really using crowdfunding in the way that it should be used, which is to invite retail investors onto your cap table. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, um, and this is more to do with the kind of the content and the preparation, your campaign um, tells a stranger exactly what you are immediately without really having to do too much research or reading into the campaign. So on Crowdcube, you have a cover image and you have your video on kind of the right-hand side. On Cedars, it's a little bit more um, kind of metric-led and you see valuation before you see any kind of big content. But on either platform, someone should just land there and be like, I get what this is. I understand the impact and I understand how it impacts me. Um, and I think that's the biggest error people probably make when it comes to their messaging is that they're thinking very, um, they're focused very much on their competitive advantage within 
the, the space that, of which they're competing. And that's sometimes quite kind of technical and very unique to their customer. But when the, the perfect campaign has a value proposition that's very clear and that anyone, regardless whether their proposition is for them, can understand the impact of it. Um, so, for example, we see lots of kind of sustainable fintechs coming through the platform. I've actually got one that's going to be uh, launching in a few weeks. Um, and they, uh, their, their customer base is obviously people that are interested in investing. But the messaging around the sustainability impact, climate change, that's something that can resonate with a large group of people. So getting that messaging right is definitely why I feel contributes most to kind of a perfect campaign. I suppose that's important in anything, isn't it? I always say to my clients from a marketing perspective, you know, when someone lands on your website, you need to speak to them in a really simple, plain language that they understand that makes sense so that they know mm. that they've landed in the right place. And um, that's that's a great piece of advice. So so anything else that you'd recommend to um, to founders when they're thinking about crowdfunding? Or is it just mainly those two points? Um, I think those two are very important, that kind of making sure that you have a community that are going to invest. And I think to kind of drum in that point more and really emphasize what makes that a good campaign is just give yourself information. Um, so take some time to really uh, learn what people expect from your campaign, see who is going to invest, just give yourself more information. And that's really the process that I take when preparing campaigns. It's basically a, a risk reduction process and giving yourself more data and more information um, so that can be on everything it can be on your messaging so is my messaging resonating ask friends and family if they understand what you do um, and then ask people if they're going to invest warm up the crowd give them a reason to invest and, and collect some data on that as well mm. so data that's a good point that's that's definitely important and building the community I mean presumably that could be a really influential part and I suppose it's really nice, isn't it, if you can see early on that your community is starting to invest, that gives you a real sort of sense of like, yes, this is going to happen. So how do founders go about building that community when they're, and they're quite often, I, I, I assume, startups? Mm, yeah, so, um, and you'll, you'll know just as much about this as well. Um, there's like a long game and a short game. And I think the long game is the one that ideally everyone would play, which is providing really good, valuable content online and really nurturing your online brand. Um, and I think that is the way that you really get an engaged community. And that takes time. You know, you build relationships with people, you consistently give them value. Um, and that for, for a startup that's looking to crowdfund, LinkedIn is one of the best channels for that. There's also a good investment community on Twitter. Um, so posting regularly on those channels, providing genuinely interesting content is, is the long game. And that's why I'd always recommend having like a content strategy uh, that leads that. Um, but in the short term, it's really about lots and lots of communication. So everyone has a community. Everyone has friends and family. Even if you don't have customers, you have people that might be able to invest. Of course, if it's not looking that big, then crowdfunding might not be right for you. But the reality is that most people do have small ticket investors within their network. And it's a case of going out to those people, um, speaking with them, uh, getting an understanding of uh, what they think of your business um, and doing that quite intensely leading up to your campaign. Mm, I'm thinking of like heights. And I interviewed Dan, one of the founders on LinkedIn. And so it talking about that content to build trust before they did their crowdfunding campaign, which I think did you you help them with? I think is that right? Yeah, um, they had this email that I signed up to that I was probably getting for two years, which was all about mental well being and mental health, and it was so valuable. And it would come every Sunday, and so I think through that email, he built a massive community where he was just creating great content 
And then obviously when it came to the crowdfunding campaign, they had a community of people that already knew, liked and trusted them and were sort of like warm leads. So I think that's really important because we were talking about this, weren't we, about you've got to market your um, crowdfunding campaign. It's not just going to sort of, it's not just a case of going on live on the platform and the platform will bring you investors. There is a piece of work to be done around the crowd, around marketing your own campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, we've talked about this kind of staged process with equity crowdfunding, but it's exactly the same with rewards-based crowdfunding as well. Um, it used to be the case when these platforms were very new that um, it was a, a whole new way that people could buy products, a whole new way that people could invest. So there was naturally a demand for that. But now um, supply has outstripped demand, basically. So you need to be bringing your own community to the platform. And in order to do that, you need to be preparing and marketing your campaign before you launch. And so what, what are you seeing as being the sort of the key marketing channels for, for clients um, who are wanting to do that? Is it around, we've talked obviously about the, the content and the community, but um, I know like with, with one of my clients, we're looking at doing quite a big paid ads campaign. So is it is it often that you're needing to do paid ads to boost that or are you suggesting PR or does it just very much depend on the client and their circumstances? I suppose if you've got something like Heights and you've already got a massive database of people and a huge audience it's a much easier process than if you're an unknown brand Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so it's definitely dependent on the client and their existing community but I'd say it's probably more dependent on the model that you're using so if you're doing equity crowdfunding LinkedIn is the social media channel to use also a lot more kind of face-to-face events obviously that's not possible at the moment um but a lot of my clients before COVID were just doing a really good job at kind of hustling in person and networking and meeting people and getting investors that way um so but in terms of social media LinkedIn for equity crowdfunding is definitely kind of superior um but for rewards-based crowdfunding it's um it's much more about uh the the kind of perhaps traditional if you could call it that digital marketing approaches to getting uh, to getting paying customers and you need to cast a much wider net um, and so paid ads um, uh, paid Facebook ads predominantly but also Google and YouTube ads are definitely where you kind of start to build your pre-launch list with rewards-based crowdfunding um, and something I'd say as well on the the equity-based crowdfunding side um actually no sorry I think it's relevant to both models um, press is something that can give you a boost but in general, I haven't seen, and, and to be fair, like not all of my clients use press for this reason, but those that have, it's less about getting the message out there and getting conversions directly from press. It's very unlikely that someone comes across uh, an article or a business for the first time and then says, yeah, I'm going to click that button and invest. But what it does do is create a kind of um, credibility around what you're doing. So press isn't a converter in itself, but it does help to convert people that were maybe considering and just hadn't got over the fence. So there's lots of different marketing channels, especially for rewards-based crowdfunding. There's like seven or eight different channels I encourage using. But in terms of the fundamentals, it's Facebook ads for rewards-based and LinkedIn for equity-based. So that's really interesting. So um, obviously with the rewards base, you are selling to the end customer who is buying the product. And that's why, you know, Facebook ads works and works so well and Instagram because that typically works well for product-based businesses. Um, with the equity-based crowdfunding, you're basically selling to an investor. You're trying to find investors and you're saying that one of the best places to find those is on LinkedIn and Twitter. I, I noticed that Twitter is a big place them, and, and also Clubhouse, interestingly. So I wonder if people are going to start doing a lot more on Clubhouse too because it feels to me that Clubhouse is just full of VCs and investors and people in, in our community. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's always hard with with Twitter because it feels like it's definitely a bit of an echo chamber. So I always say, you know, like, oh, there's so many investors on Twitter, but then my friends are not within the startup space. So I, I didn't see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely there's like a big Twitter community. Um, sorry, a big VC community on Twitter. Um, I also think, obviously, I think Clubhouse is great and I've really enjoyed using it. And there's some problems with the platform that means it's not great at getting quick conversions because you can't post links, you can't direct message people. Um, but in terms of building genuinely good connections and community building, I think Clubhouse is one of the best channels at the moment. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? It's really interesting how I, I feel like there's a lot of the startup scale up community there and investors and VCs and lots of really interesting conversations and access to, to some amazing people. So I think that's a really big one. But I've always said, you know, I've I've done quite a few LinkedIn masterclasses and I always say LinkedIn is a great platform to connect with strategic partners, investors, clients, suppliers, you know, everyone. But I haven't actually heard of anyone getting direct investment directly from LinkedIn. But have you? I mean, how does that work? Is it just that your post a founder is posting posts saying that they're looking for investment or talking about their business um, and maybe using relevant hashtags and investors are picking it up or are they proactively out reaching out to investors using messaging and the search functionality and building relationships that way or is it a mixture of the two it's a mixture of the two so i think linkedin is a really good place to position yourself as a thought leader especially if you're uh, if you're if you're b2b business um but also with your a b2c business you know just for attracting investors if you're positioning yourself as a, a thought leader within your sector i think you can get really good conversion through linkedin but it was also is a, a tool for outreach so i think in general um cold outreach is not like one to be relied on it's very unpredictable but linkedin does have good search fun- functionality where you can search for investor you can search for your sector and you can get lists of people that might be interested in investing in your business so of course it, th- there is a benefit there as well yeah, and I always say to founders, you should just share your story because on LinkedIn, even if it's just a post a week, because there are people that, there's lots of people that are growing businesses and there's lots of people that want to hear that story. And over time, you know, as well as investors, that is a great marketing um, opportunity. And there's B2C businesses that are doing really well on there as well who are sharing that story. I mean, I've had clients that have been on LinkedIn and we've used it for research, we've used it for lots of different things for, for scaling businesses. So I say I, I totally agree. I think LinkedIn's a great space. Um, so we've only got a minute and a half left before we jump into um, Clubhouse. So I would like to finish off with a question for you really actually, which is you've got your own business, the funding crowd, it helps obviously founders with their funding journey. And I just like to know how you go about getting you know new clients and growing your business what marketing are you using what have you found to be most effective Mm -hmm. um so i definitely have found a huge amount of benefit from linkedin i only really started despite almost having a phd in crowdfunding and running you know like over 50 campaigns i still never felt like i was an expert um but then when you start to see other people talking about it and realizing that you can contribute to the conversation i thought no it's time i need to start posting so that was kind of september 2020 um and i just started posting every day about crowdfunding um and i grew from something like like 900 follow followers to over 11,000 followers in 4 months just from posting Amazing. yeah and just talking about stuff that i found interesting and engaging with people on there and more significantly as well i've just made some really great connections other people in the space that I now know personally um so LinkedIn is definitely a great channel for me it's all organic no paid and I just 
post everyday stuff that I find interesting um, and I hope that other people find interesting. Um, so that's that's a big thing. But then other than that, I mainly word of mouth. I think um, I did one campaign for an amazing business, um, BYP Network, um, and the founder, Kike, I know quite well. And she referred me to someone else who referred me to someone else. And that's actually how I met, how I met Dan from Heights. Um, and I think when you get to work with amazing um, businesses, ambitious businesses, um, when you get when you have good clients, they refer you to good clients. And that's definitely what I found. And um, so that's been a big thing for me. I should say as well, I'm now trying to create more content. So I just and you sent me a really nice message about it. I just launched my blog and newsletter, which is going to be you know something else that I'm going to do create more content on um, and use that channel as well. Um, but yeah, just a, a, a rambled a bit there, but the summary is word of mouth, LinkedIn, and now now a newsletter as well. Yeah, I think recommendations and referrals, if if someone, like you said, if, if you're being recommended by a founder who's worked with you and they recommend you to someone, they've already got a strong relationship. It's just, you don't even have to, it's not, you're not even selling yourself. They just want to work with you. It's amazing. Um, and Hannah, I'll add the link to your newsletter in um, the show notes and in the LinkedIn newsletter that I send out. So thank you so much Absolutely. for coming on. It's been amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing you in 10 minutes and um, <laughs> answering everyone's questions on scaling a business. So thank you so much for coming today. Thank you. Look forward to it.